Hi, this is Erica Mena. I'm the founding editor of Anomalous Press. You are about to embark on an abbreviated preview version of Anomalous Number 1. The full pieces and the entire issue are available to read or listen to on our website and to download in a multitude of formats at anomalouspress.org. In the first issue of Anomalous, we have an embarrassment of riches. Poets, fiction writers, nonfiction writers, translators, and it was really hard to choose just three to share with you here, but it was a self-imposed rule, and like all self-imposed arbitrary rules, I stuck to it. So coming up, you'll be hearing very briefly from our, one of our fiction writers, Sarah Torji, from her piece, Bread Alley followed by our nonfiction contributor, Kendra Green, from her piece, Everything Perfectly Forever, and closing with one of our amazing poets, Patrick Sweeney, from his piece, Corrections. Bread Alley. The window was watching her. The stalker was watching her objective through a window. Objective was watching a window through the stalker. Detailed kidnapping started preconceived drawings. The preconceived kidnapping started with detailed drawings. Portraits were produced in charcoal and the smallest drop of blood. Detailed with preconceived, the drawings started kidnapping. Through her, the stalker was a window-watching objective. Charcoal produced the smallest portrait of blood. The drops were the smallest blood, and in charcoal, portraits produced. Stalker had 17 humans, old and stolen. The lure was an alley into bread. A piece of bread was used to lure the subject into an alley. The stalker was 17 years old and had never stolen a human. 17 was an old human. The victim ate into the trap and walked. Mr. T is the reason I started sending Christmas cards. Well, Mr. T with the help of Nancy Reagan. And true, it wasn't Mr. T the man himself so much as his appearance with the First Lady in one particular photograph. But the point is... That was enough. The point is, I saw something in an archive, and it changed me. Everyone walking the archives, those whitewashed basement levels of the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library and Museum, is either an employee or a guest escorted by an employee. It is the kind of vast and silent place where you could go half an hour without bumping into anyone at all. The archives themselves are a series of cloisters. Papers slipped into mylar sleeves, sleeves packed into boxes, Boxes stacked on shelves. Only a tattoo of neatly written alphanumeric code on the boxes and shelves interrupts the uniform anonymity. Even I needed a barcode before I could enter, a paper sticker I pressed high on my shirt like a name tag. My brother wore his similarly, and we both, once the elevator doors opened, stayed close on the heels of one Ray Wilson, a tall man in his late thirties, who wore his barcode on the back of a staff ID. I'd met Ray Wilson shortly after I was hired to manage a Chicago museum's collection of 8,000 photographs. Ray was an audiovisual archivist from Simi Valley more concerned with film and negatives, but our respective employers both thought we'd benefit from a week at the Eastman House in Rochester. So there we were, at the Image Permanence Institute, taking notes about silvering and foxing and what little could be done about either. Ray Wilson had perhaps been kidding when he suggested from the remote distance of professional courtesy and 3,000 miles from home that I should, at some unspecified date, if I was ever in California, come by the archives. Still, he was in every way cordial when I called six months later to announce my visit. 
Great, Ray said. So what do you want to see? I had only one request. I want to see the picture you can't talk about. Corrections. One, speech therapy. I went to the speech therapist because I needed to talk to someone. The speech therapist said my R's were soft. I said, I just wanted to be able to talk to you again. She said, try rolling your tongue to the roof of your mouth and back. I said I couldn't stop thinking about you, that I needed to see you. Let's start with something easy, she said. Look. Like this. She opened her mouth wide. Red. Red. Red, she repeated. I said I knew that you would want to see me, too. Red, she said one more time, drawn out and exaggerated, rolling the R in her gaping mouth until it sounded less like a word and more like a color. I never meant to hurt you, I said. Yes, that's it, she said. Never, she echoed. Hurt. Hurt. There were reasons, I said. Good, she said, nodding. Very good. There's more, oh, so much more, just waiting to be discovered, downloaded, read, or listened to at anomalouspress.org.